All right, good morning. Give you a chance to find a seat. Um, it's always good when we kind of have to pull apart uh, to get to our seats and get ready for the service. So it's uh, just good to hear the buzz of fellowship and uh, sharing life together. Okay, so we're grateful to God for that. Um, so if you're new with us, we want to welcome you and uh, trust that you'll find this church to be a welcoming place. And there is a welcome desk right up front. So if there's any information that you would like to uh, leave with us or any contact that you would like to have with us, all of that can be requested there. And then immediately following the service, every Sunday, we offer a uh, time of snacks and fellowship out in our cafe. So we trust that you can stay and uh, get some time to get connected with some folks. So a couple things that we've uh, been praying for as a church family. One is for little Camden Trukowski. I'm not going to call him little because he's actually a big young man. Uh, but he had open heart surgery back in December, and he and his family are back with us. So Lee, can you stand up with your son real quick there if you would? All right. So he's, he's doing really, really well, and we praise God for that and grateful for the parents to come to a place of peace with that. I think his biggest issue is a lot of itchiness in that uh, wound that he's got. Uh, so, so grateful, Camden. We're grateful to God for his work in your life, all right? And then Al Nichols, we prayed with Al and Pat uh, just uh, two weeks ago. And uh, so Al, can you stand up back there, buddy? All right, he had a shoulder uh, rebuilt. So, uh, and they're telling him that his progress is really outstanding. So, uh, so grateful to God uh, for the progress and for the answers to prayer, for the prayers that have been prayed for those needs. Um, so if you look at the sheet that's on your seats, that gives you most of the things that are happening through the week. There are a number of community blend events happening also, Bible studies and things like that that you can look up on the, uh, on the website, okay? So make sure you uh, take some time to look through those things. Um, two items that we just have been in prayer for, one is for Carol Southern, and Carol, Carol is uh, a, a single lady in her church. She's uh, older and just is in a season of need. So we wanna just remind you to be in prayer for her, and those of you that are familiar with her situation that are reaching out, thank you. Okay, for the uh, sacrifice that's been made uh, to help to care uh, for, uh, for Carol in this season. And then just the reminder that we are constantly in prayer uh, for the replacement worship leader. Carmel is going to be stepping down at the end of January. He's been serving us in that capacity, I think, for about 15 years. So he's had a long run. So we just would appreciate you to continue to be upholding that before the Lord in prayer. Very important part of our ministry. We're thankful for those on the team that have been able to fill in and help out. But uh, just something we want you to continue in prayer for as we move forward. Okay? I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you would this morning. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this. It says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works so that no one can boast. And I love this next statement. For we are God's workmanship, his handiwork, created in Christ to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, 
We're thankful that we can come uh, on a weekly basis to remind ourselves of the very beautiful and glorious truth of the gospel. This morning, Lord, we will sing the gospel, we will hear the gospel preached, and we will partake in elements that proclaim the gospel in communion this morning. Lord Jesus, our hearts are full of gratitude for what you have done for us. Uh, Lord, we understand that often our, our, our gratitude fades and we need these reminders. And so you tell us every time we do this, do this in remembrance of me. And so, Lord, our only hope as broken sinners is you. And so this morning as we sing, let, let the truth of the gospel encourage our hearts. And uh, Lord, as we partake of the Lord's table, let our hearts celebrate together the glory of Jesus. And Lord, thank you for the answers to prayer that we have uh, shared with you over the last month. Thank you for the great progress that Camden is experiencing. Thank you for the good progress that Al Nichols is experiencing. And Lord, we know that there are folks within our church family that have been dealing with uh, loss, uh, God, we lift those families up before you this morning. We trust that in the midst of those difficult circumstances, that the voice of your spirit and the comfort of your spirit and the comfort of Christian community would do its work. We thank you, Lord, for the ministry of Grief Share that takes place in this building on a weekly basis under the guidance of Fran and Laura. Father, we pray for those that come to those meetings that there would be deep encouragement and ultimately grasp of the gospel in the midst of pain, that there would be hope emerging. So Lord, pour your blessing over them as they lead that ministry. We trust that now as we sing, that your spirit would be present to clarify the truth we sing, to take it deep within our heart, to bring comfort and encouragement and hope in Jesus Christ. And we pray all these blessings in the beautiful name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Let's worship him together. and rejected bearing our sins my 
Redeemer is he. One day the grave could conceal him no longer. One day the stone rolled away from the door. Then he arose or death he had conquered. Now is ascended, my Lord evermore. Living he loved me, dying he saved me. Buried he carried my sins far away. Rising he justified, freely forever. One day he's coming, on oh, glorious day. On glorious day, on glorious day, one day the trumpet, one day the trumpet will sound for his coming. One day the skies with His glories will shine. Wonderful day my beloved one's bringing. Glorious Savior, this Jesus is. Sing this out to Him. Living He loved me, dying He saved me. Buried He carried my sins far away. He justified freely forever. One day he's coming, oh glorious day. Oh glorious day. Oh glorious day. Oh glorious day. trumpet one day the trumpet sound for his coming one day the skies with his glories will shine wonderful day my beloved ones bringing glorious savior this jesus is mine song for you this morning. Sing along. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. Give praise to the Lord. Beside him there's no other. Sing that again. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. Give praise to the Lord. Beside Him there's no other. The 
this is the day. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Sing that again. This is the day the Lord has made. Oh, I will rejoice and be glad in it. He brought us from morning to dancing, from glory to glory. This is the day the Lord has made. So what are we waiting for? La, 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 la. Come on and praise the Lord. La, 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 la. Hear the word of the Lord. There's freedom for the captives. A good news to the poor. And beauty for the ashes. So what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day the Lord has made. Oh, I will rejoice and be glad in it. He brought us from morning to dancing, from glory to glory. This is the day the Lord has made. So what are we waiting for? La, 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 la. Come on and praise the Lord. La, 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 what are we waiting for? La, 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 come on and praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. I live, I live to tell what the Lord has done. I live to sing of my Savior's love. I live because he is risen. La 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 la, sing that again. I live, I live to tell what the Lord has done. I live to sing of my Savior's love. I live because He is risen. La 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 la. La 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 la. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Say it again. This is the day the Lord has made. Oh, I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day the Lord has made. Oh, I will rejoice and be glad in it. He brought us from morning. He brought us from morning. Dancing from glory again. From morning to dancing, from glory to glory. From morning to dancing, from glory to glory. This is the day the Lord has made. So what are we waiting for? La 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 la. Come on and praise the Lord. La 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 la. What are we waiting for? La la la. Come on and praise the Lord, oh praise the Lord.
deep the Father's love. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. Behold the man. Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I will not boast. I will not boast in anything. No gifts, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ, His death and resurrection. Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my rent. Why should I gain? should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart. But this I know, but this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. Heavenly Father, thank you that your wounds have paid our ransom. Thank you that you saw us before we knew you, and you chose in your goodness to chase after us and take us into your fold. Father, may we, uh, may we be forever grateful for that. Uh, God, just thank you for this time of worship, and as uh, Doug comes to preach your word, we ask that you would soften our hearts to receive exactly what you would have for us this morning. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody here today. Um, children can be dismissed for junior church at this point. So um, one other quick announcement. Um, in Sunday school, Sunday school starts at 9.30, runs from 9.30 to about 10.15 each Sunday. Um, we have two new classes, and it's not too late to jump in. We have a class on essential Bible doctrine, and we also have a class on parenting. So you are welcome to come out and try out each of those. Sometimes people come out and try the one and then try the other and then decide. That's 
perfectly fine too. But we'd love to see you come out and visit with us. Next week, 9.30, we have a parenting class that meets back there to my left. And we have the Bible Doctrine class, Essential Bible Doctrines, meeting right that way, okay? And we'd love to have you come and join us for those. We had good response today, but there's always more room. So we're, we always welcome you to come. If you have your Bibles, I ask you to turn over to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. We are going to be looking at... Ecclesiastes 9, verses 13 to 10, 20 in our day, in our time together today. Um, I want you, first of all, to hear a familiar passage from the New Testament, and maybe I'll just kind of pull over there and read it to you real quick. Ephesians chapter, you don't have to turn there, I'll just turn there. But in Ephesians 5, 15, Paul says this, be very careful then how you live not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, or sometimes translated, redeeming the time because the days are evil. I can't help but think of that text when I think of Ecclesiastes 9, 13 to 10, 20. And I want you to imagine with me that... Um, you can enter into the work experience of two individuals. Uh, we'll call the one, the man, Bill. It, it, Bill is your name, I'm not thinking of you. I'm completely making this up, all right? Oh, wait. And, and how about June, okay? Bill and June, how about that? There we get two individuals. If you're a Bill or June, I'm not thinking of you. This is completely created. Both Bill and June have worked in a company in the area for about 10 years they get paid well enough to live on. So that's, that's one of the reasons both have stayed. Both are Christians. Um, Bill is in middle management. And um, he, though, is completely sick of the politics that he's seen. And what he would view as unethical corruption in the business. He's tried to speak about it, but nobody listens. What do you tell Bill? June, was that the woman's name? June, June on the other hand. She's not middle management. She's farther down. She's like a secretary. And she has been completely frustrated with the lack of communication and what she views as unethical treatment and something else. She finds out if you... Uh, play up to the leadership, you can be a lousy worker and you'll keep getting promoted. And because she turns, talks, talks about it, she stayed this, a secretary for 10 years. Just both individuals, believers, completely frustrated. She's, she says she's ready to go storming into the president's office and letting him know where things are. Have you ever had any of those feelings toward any of the structures that you've ever been involved in. <laughs> All of us have, haven't we? It, it could be a political structure, an educational structure, a business structure, you name it. And the question is, how do we function within systems that are far less than ideal? And what I found reading this passage 
This passage has helped me immeasurably. To, to, to give people wisdom to live wisely when frankly sometimes all you want to do is either play the game or tell people where to get off. Am I right? There's a third way. What does it mean to walk wisely in those kinds of structures? Because that's exactly what the writer of Ecclesiastes deals with. He's going to talk about different kinds of structure, but there's no question as you read through this passage where he focuses more are on structures that aren't functioning correctly. They're marked by foolishness rather than by wisdom. And you are in the middle of it. So what do you do? And what I would like to look at today is four realities that we should embrace that will help us live wisely in structures that are often very frustrating. Four realities. And the other thing I have to tell you about this passage, it's a tricky passage because at one level when you're reading it, you feel like there's all these proverbs that are being kind of listed here and you're not quite sure how they always fit together. Um, so a lot of brain sweat on this one, but I'm giving you what I believe is how they actually connect together. So I'm gonna end up giving you a little bit more detail um, on the passage than I normally do, just so you can track with what, 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 with what is going on. But, but folks, as we work through this text, think of the structures that you have been involved in that have been very frustrating. And you sometimes just wanna scream and quit, but you can't quit because you don't have another job yet. So what do you do? Four realities. Here's the first one. Comes in chapter nine, verses 13 to chapter 10, verse one. The prudent advice of wise, of, of wise people is often unheeded and or subverted. Even though the advice is beneficial for everybody and communicated appropriately. Is it possible for you to have a really good perspective and people either don't listen or just about the time when you feel like you have some momentum, it gets subverted by somebody else and they, they go a totally different direction. And you kind of throw up your hands and go like, now what? You see? Listen to what the text says. The frustration over neglected wisdom. Verse 13, he says this. I also saw under the sun this example of wisdom that greatly impacted me or impressed me. There was once a small city with only a few people in it. And a powerful king came against it, surrounded it, and built huge siege works against it. Curtains, folks, curtains. It's all over. This little town doesn't have a chance. Now, there lived in that city a man, poor, but wise. And he saved the city by his wisdom. But nobody remembered that poor man. So I said to myself, wisdom is better than strength, 
But the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are no longer heeded. So, so apparently, and, and, and I just have to say, there's a translation issue here, depending upon what English translation you look at. There's two possible scenarios that, that scholars have argued, okay? And I could read it a little bit differently. And, and rather than saying that the guy literally did actually rescue the city, it may be that he could have rescued the city, but they rejected it. They, they would not listen or remember him. It, it, it could be that, or it could be they took his advice, but then later advice he gave on other things, they squashed, okay? You, you can argue both ways from the Hebrew, in, in, in all fairness. So you have this guy who either, had, the bottom line is he's got great wisdom, but he's poor. And so whenever people look at him, they go like, yeah, but he's poor. You know, it's, whatever his name is, it's Jedediah, like, like, what does Jedediah know? Well, every time Jedediah speaks, it's gold, frankly. And he either did or could have rescued the whole city if they would just take his advice. And if they did, then at a later point, he was back to give some other good advice, and they said, nah, who cares about Jedediah? It's one of those two. The bottom line is at some point, he is shut down, not because he's not wise, but because he's just a poor guy. And like, what do poor people know? Have you ever had those experiences? Where we've all thought, maybe you haven't said, I told you so, right? When you say, look, I think we should do this. Nah, think partner, we're going to go this way instead or whatever. And you go like, I don't think I'd do that. We are. And then afterwards, it bombs. And you think to yourself, I, I like to say, I told you so. so. Sometimes with your kids, you feel that way too, don't you? Like, I told you not to do that. And you did it anyway, and here we are, right? So we kind of get that. And so you hear you have a guy that's got all kinds of wisdom and because people have labeled him for whatever reason, they're not going to listen to him. At other times, it's like the advice is, uh, the wisdom is just about ready to be accepted and then boom, some guy comes in and they go a different direction. This is what happens in verse, um, in verse 17. The quiet words of the wise are more heeded than the shouts of, of, of a ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than the weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. And, and so Solomon's saying like, this is crazy. Because if you just look, you find one person who when he has a disagreement or an issue, he's calm in the way he talks about it. And in the other room, there's this Big mouth people yelling and screaming, you're going to do this now. And, and there's a bunch of people saying, okay, whatever. And they just go with it. And he goes like, which one do you want? So people know this is the appropriate one. That loud shouting, that's not the way to go. And yet what happens in this case? In this case, it's like people are beginning to say, well, you know, that guy has some good advice. But they're feeling so much pressure to the shouting match that they go with the other position instead. And what happens is 
wisdom is subverted. And he illustrates it in 10.1, as dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Now, I don't know much about flies and, and ointment, to be honest with you. I'm not into the ointment stuff. But I can say this in Lancaster County. We have a lot of skunks. And you know, I can be driving down the road and it is clear and smelling good. Well, it depends upon the time of year out there. But you know, but, but so it kind of depends actually. But, but whatever, you're driving down the road and everything's really good. And there's just this little black with a white thing that apparently has died that's off the side of the road. What happens when you drive by that area? Oh, that's right. I mean, it like ruins everything. It only takes a little skunk off the side of the road. Or a little bit of fly in that ointment. For people to say like, oh, listen, you're eating a meal. It's a wonderful meal. And you know, you, you see a, I don't know, you see a mouse tail in there. Like, what do you, like if you eat around it, it's delicious. <laughs> but like, who's going to do that? Right? I mean, something little can completely ruin it. And he says, you can have things, this wonderful advice and this shouting match going on over there. And for whatever reason, people go like, I think we're going to go with plan B. And all that wisdom, all that benefit to the institution, to people, it's gone. It's gone. So think about businesses, think about political structures, think about families. Can happen in a whole variety of institutions, can it? So he says there's frustration. That's his first advice. You know, I'm going to try to end nicely here. I'm just telling you, when you experience this kind of stuff, don't think what you're going through is unusual, folks. For thousands of years, believers have struggled in these kinds of ways. So the first reality, the second reality comes in verse, um, chapter two, verses 10 to seven. And here's the, here's the truth. Let me read it and then we'll unpack it. While the evidence of a wise or foolish heart is clearly reflected in a person's actions, Wise people often have to calmly endure foolish institutions around them. And isn't that what's frustrating sometimes? When you take a position, you go like, I know this is really good. This would honor the Lord. This would bless people. Yeah. Goes right over the head. So listen to what he says. Chapter 2. Verse two and three, because the bottom line is, it's not like it's not clear. It's clear, the two options. Here it is. The heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of the fool to the left. Even as fools walk along the road, they lack sense and show everyone how stupid they are. <laughs> you know, he just says, look, 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 look. When it comes to wisdom living or foolish living, it's always an outworking of the heart, isn't it? If you want to know what's going on in Doug Finkbeiner's heart, what he's thinking, what he's desiring, what he wants, all those issues of the heart, 
watch what I say and watch what I do. Because the wise heart will surface this way and the foolish heart will surface this way. What, what he doesn't do in the text is unpack the wisdom part. He does unpack the foolish part. And I think I tell, I, the reason I think it's the case is because he's talking to people who are working in foolish structures. And he says, what's crazy about the, the fool person is all you got to do is walk with them a little bit of time and it's real obvious. I mean, they just start, blah, 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 and you go like, I don't know. I don't know that I want my daughter to date this guy. Right? You, you know what I'm saying, right? You, you, you get it. And so he says, look, it's real clear that, that, that there's two different people who, two kinds of individuals who, who are responding out of their heart. But here's the challenge that comes up in verses four to seven. You're the wise guy or gal. If a ruler's anger rises against you, do not leave your post. Calmness can lay great offenses to rest. <sighs> what happens when you're right, and you really are, I mean, sometimes we think we're right and we're not right. Okay, I get that too. But you're right. And the authority above you is so ticked off and they come in and they just explode on you. What's your, temp what's your temptation? You know what my temptation is? Fine. And I'm out of here. Is it? That's a little bit trickier when it's a king. Right? Because it won't be so fine if you do say that. And what he says is, when you are just being badgered, stop, pray, think. And when you speak, don't leave. Don't say, I'm out of here. No, don't do that. Speak, respond, be honest, but speak calmly back. My man, that's hard. I want to just, I know what you just want to do. But wise people who should be affirmed are sometimes not affirmed. And when they're not, they can cut and run or they can ask God what it means to honor him by the way they respond in that situation with calmness. Whew. Is this stuff like practical or what? You know what I mean? I mean, you read and you go like, wow. He goes on to say this uh, in verses five to seven. Listen to what he says. There is an evil I've seen under the sun. The sort of error that arises from a ruler. So it's, this is top down. Fools are put in many high positions. While the rich occupy the low ones. Now, just to be fair, sometimes Solomon is really down on rich people because they live for the riches. In this case, he's suggesting that the riches of these individuals reflects the character of their heart. That's not always the case, right? We know that, but nonetheless. But fools are put in many high positions while the rich occupy the low ones. I have seen slaves on horseback while princes go on foot like slaves. He says you only have to look around to see a lot of corruption. People who play the game, because they play the game, they can start to kind of move up the ladder of success, whatever that is. And, 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 and sometimes you look around, you go like, 
the whole structure has fools in it. Like, what is going on, right? And what he says is, it comes from the top down in this case, because it starts with the king. And, and God has called you while you're there, because honestly, there's times when you just need to kindly walk away and find another job. Like, I completely get that, okay? But sometimes you can't always walk away right away. Or maybe it's a political structure. Or maybe it's a family. And you have to just be calm and invest in a way that's wise and appropriate. But Solomon says, I've often seen these things around me. Just corruption all the way up. So you're not alone. And you may say, okay, okay, Finkbeiner, you've convinced me. I think I'm going to become foolish. Because that's what everybody else is doing, and if I want to move up, that's just what I'm going to do, right? No, 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 no. Don't go there either. Don't go there either. Here's a third truth. It says this in verses 8 to 11. Wisdom is necessary because of the inherent risks associated with life and the benefits of living wisely. He's going to say, look, you may be in structures that make you just at times. But you need to know if you stay the course, God will be glorified. Your life will change, and it's still the best way for you to live. Look at, listen to what he says in verses 8 to 11. And here, he just gives downright good advice. Whatever decision you're making, whether it's at home or at work or at church or in the neighborhood, whatever, listen to his advice. So good. Picks up here in verse 8. Whoever digs a pit may fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Whoever quarries stones may be injured by them. Whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. Is he telling us here, don't ever build walls? Don't ever cut logs? No. What he's saying is, for the wise person in whatever structure they find themselves in, should always be people of forethought and care. Hey, it's my job. It's what I do. I cut wood. Okay. But just consider what could go wrong. Now, you can become completely overwhelmed by those things and never do anything. Fair enough. That's not what he's saying here. He's just saying, don't go through life so happy-go-lucky that you're never thinking about the dangers associated with things that you need to do. I got to change that wall. Okay, but watch out because snakes hide in there sometimes when you're taking that wall down. He's not saying don't take it down. I got to quarry stones. That's my job. Okay, 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 okay. But just realize if you're putting all those rocks uphill and you're downhill, that could create a problem. So think Ahead. I, I'm in this structure in the company. Okay, okay, think ahead. There's something you need to do. What could go wrong? And take the precautions you need to ahead of time. Then he goes on to say this in verses um, 10 and 11. 
not only should we be people who take forethought, but when we do live wisely, it's always beneficial. And he uses some illustrations. Look what he says in verse, uh, verse 10. If the axe is dull and its edges unsharpened, more strength is needed. But skill, and it's literally the word wisdom there, but wisdom will bring success. If a snake bites before it is charmed, the charmer, my NIV says, receives no fee. But again, it's just the word, the, the charmer has no success or has no benefit. It's the same word as in verse 10. Um, and again, I think what he's saying here is this. Um, I, 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 I don't know. Well, you can ask Tim about this. But um, if you have carpentry, carpentry issues, I'm probably not the first person you call. <laughs> Tim, would you say I'm the last person you call? Pretty close, okay. Because I've made a lot of mistakes through the years doing a lot of things that I shouldn't be doing, okay? Um, but man, I, I remember a couple of years ago, like, I, 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 just, I just needed a clipper for, for doing some work outside. It was so much work with that thing until I realized that, you know, if you sharpen that, it's a whole lot easier. And, you know, I mean, I was building strength, no doubt, because of, <laughs> have you done those things? Like, Finkbeiner, sharpen that thing. Wow, it cuts through like butter. <laughs> right? And he, he's just saying, there's so many things that we have to do in life, and if you sit back and say, I'm just going to kind of push my way through it. Man, alive, you're just like, it's hard. But if you stop and you say, God, change me, help me to be thoughtful. Help, help me to come at this person with the right words. Help, help me to, to be praying to you as I go in to have this meeting with my boss and I'm not sure what to say. Lord, and, and you, you do that kind of prep work and all of a sudden when you now move in, that blade is sharp. And man, you start just slicing right through all that stuff. Because you've prepared ahead of time. And when you move there, there's benefit. That kind of wisdom and skill leads to success or benefit. Now, I've never charmed snakes, and I don't recommend it. Okay? I've seen it. But if somebody ever asked me to, to, to charm a snake, I would not start by going over and trying to pet the snake. Right? I mean, you have to get that flu, whatever, I mean, however they do it. I mean, I, I mean, you know, like I said, I'm not an expert. I didn't do much study into this stuff either, okay? I've only seen it on TV a couple times. It seems complete. If you're thinking about a new career, I wouldn't go into this one. I'm just saying, okay? But again, he says, look, if the guy is, that's doing this starts out going like, hey, whatever, he's going to get bit. What good is that? No, 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 no. Get your flute out, man. There's a snake in there. Maybe it's a cobra. Start playing that snake thing and then be real careful. How often do we plunge and make decisions without forethought? 
We just, we're, sometimes with our kids, you know, oh, I failed on this one so many times through the years where something has happened and the, it, there's some, something broke. I call the kids, hey, what's going on here? And I'm just blabbering along. Blah, blah, we're going to blah, 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 you know, like that. And, and I, I didn't even stop to listen to what happened from my kids. Right? I mean, just kind of, I reacted rather than responded. It's so easy, folks. Sometimes you boom, you just, no, no, no. He says, look, look, look. If you pull back and you're, you're filling your mind with God's word, you're walking with him, the spirit is at work. You're, this is all spade work, prep work. And when you go into these situations, God's spirit brings that to mind. So you move into that situation with sharpness and with prudence. And it makes a big difference. So he says in this, this section, look, I know you may feel like you're in a world sometimes filled with frustrating people that are often foolish. But that's no excuse for you to be the same way. You can be wise. You can grow. God can be glorified in any one of those situations. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it's the beauty of the gospel that Christ could save me and change me in any situation. That's what he does. One more truth, and then I'll wrap up. It's found here in chapter 10, 12 to 20. Do you see the little Twitter bird I put there at the end? Okay, we'll, we'll get to that. My wife had that idea. I thought it was a great idea. So in goes the Twitter bird. Um, here's the fourth principle. While an institution should embrace wisdom over foolishness, it should. I mean, that's like the right thing. The prevalence of foolish structures requires that the wise guard their words. This is so practical, folks, for wherever you find yourself. Listen to what he says. He starts out with this stark contrast between wisdom and folly. And again, what he's saying is, these should be completely obvious to people. He spends more time on folly than wisdom because that's the structure that people often find themselves in. Listen to what he says. Um, verse 12. Words from the mouth of the wise are gracious, but fools are consumed by their own lips. There are some people when they speak, they speak, and when they speak, it just has an impact that's positive into the lives of people around them. And there's other people when they speak, it's completely self-defeating. And they're just, they're just they, they end up, or they should, be completely consumed with the foolishness that they're, that they're espousing. Goes on to say this, talking about the, the, the fool. At the beginning their words are folly. At the end, they are wicked madness. Do you know what's interesting about folly? It never stays where it begins. It always spirals out of control and gets worse. And so what starts as folly, by the end, is complete madness. Are there any things that you've heard in the culture when, when you hear about it, you go to yourself, that's the nuttiest thing I've ever heard. Maybe not the nuttiest, but it's nutty. It's crazy. 
20 years ago, if I would have told you, I'm going to send my kids over to the local library because there's going to be a drag queen there that's going to read them a story from, from the library. You would have laughed at me. You would have said, Finkbinder, straw man. That's a straw man argument, straw man. That will never happen. Okay, whatever. It, and here we are. And it's like if you don't support that now, there's something wrong with you. And I'm going like, like, how did that happen? What does it mean for a culture to move into areas of morality that are not God's ideal and just keep going? And you and I can find ourselves caught up in the midst of all that. And the, 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 the text says, look, that's what happens with folly. It doesn't stay. It decays. It gets worse. Verse 14. Fools multiply words. No one knows what is coming. Who can tell someone else what will happen after them? So apparently you have these fools that are just like spitting out all kinds of things. Hey, I think this is going to happen and I'm convinced this is going to making all kinds of predictions, none of which are going to come true. But some people listen to them. And so you're in a world where things are going like this and people are espousing all kinds of views and none of it actually comes true. It doesn't happen. The toil of fools wearies them. They do not know the way to the town. <laughs> I love that one. So apparently this guy's going out of the town. He's getting his first job. And it's manual labor. Oh, he doesn't do manual labor very well. And it is hard and toilsome. And he's so tired at the end of the day, he can't even find his way back to the town. He's lazy. Do you see? He can say a good word and do all kinds of things. When it comes back down to it, he's just downright lazy. And, and, and the writer is saying, look, folks, it should be obvious when you see wisdom that is gracious and appropriate and thoughtful and all those things. And when you see over here folly, which is spiraling out, um, spouting, lousy prediction, all kinds of stuff. It should be completely on it. But the problem is you're often in structures, institutional structures, which don't go with the obvious and the beneficial. It goes with the foolish and detrimental. So he goes on to say this, the inevitable consequences of wisdom and folly in leadership, verses 16 uh, to 19. So what he says, woe to the land whose king was a servant and whose princes feast in the morning. Blessed is the land whose king is of noble birth and whose princes eat at a proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. So he says, you got different kinds of people and you've got this institution and it has two choices. It can be marked by people who, doesn't mean they don't eat, they eat, but it's, it's for strength and they're appropriate and they're thoughtful and they know the job and they know everything they should be doing. Go with that. 
And there's other places where you go, it's completely upside down. Have you ever been in a business situation? You go, why in the world did they promote that guy? Have you ever thought that? Honestly, I mean, I've been, you know, been around enough in different situations. They're like, what were they thinking? It happens. It happens more than we'd like to admit. And what he goes on to do in verses 18 and 19 is he doesn't focus in on a wise political structure. He focuses on a foolish institutional structure. And I think the reason he's doing it is he's saying that's probably going to be more common than the other. And that's not to discourage you because we can still be wise, wise in the midst of it. He goes on and says this, verse 18. Through laziness, the rafters sag because of the idle hands the house leaks. And in their day, you know, they often had flat roofs and, 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 and things would get wet. And if you didn't replaster, you're going to have all kinds of problems with your wood and all your stuff in the, in the ceiling. So he's just saying, you got to deal with it, right? I mean, we've all had roof problems, right? And I don't know about you, like when I have a roof problem, I want somebody out there yesterday. You know what I mean? Because, man, you know the damage that can be done. And what he says here is, there are some people in structures around them. You go like, we got to deal with this. Whatever, whatever. And they're, they're, just, they're just lazy. They don't, they don't do anything. Do their job. And you go like, ah, right? Try to drive crazy. And verse 19, uh, the verse 19 is a tricky verse. Um, because it makes it, so let me read it and then qualify it. A feast is made for laughter, wine makes life merry, and money is the answer for everything. And you go to yourself like, well, that's not real good advice. So there's two possibilities here, seems to me. Because he attacks riches and money throughout the book. So it, would make no, it's no, it makes no sense that he says, look, here's the, 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 the whole thing I want to tell you about the book of Ecclesiastes. Just remember this, money is everything. Is that what he's saying? It would go counter to all the things he says in the book. Either you can put quotes around it because it's the words of the fool, or Solomon is speaking sarcastically. Okay? He's just saying, well, this is kind of what they believe. Feast is for this, wine is for this, and money will answer everything. The bottom line is, it's the position of fools. And what they say is, it's all about having fun and getting drunk and getting more money because the more money you have, the more fun, the more stuff you can do. And who cares about the people we hurt in the process? He says, it's often what happens. You can have people in leadership like that. So what's he say? Listen to his final words of advice in verse 20. Don't revile the king, even in your thoughts. Is it not easy to do it at that point? Like, this place is corrupt all the way up to the top. I can't believe that. Right? So, don't revile the king, even in your thoughts. Or curse the rich in your bedroom. And here's the bird thing, Okay. Because a bird in the sky may carry your words, and a bird on the wing may report what you say. That's really good advice. This was Twitter before Twitter. 
And, and of course, there's obviously hyperbole here. We, we get that, right? But, but here's the point. When you're in those structures, it's so easy to be reactive and say things that you regret saying. Well, ultimately you regret saying. Sometimes it feels good in the moment. But, but you regret saying because it gets back and then people can use something you've said against you and make you the evil guy when it's because of what they did that made you say that in the first place. Am I right? And he says, stop. Watch what you say. Yeah, right. Pull aside and be with God and say it to him. Spend time there. So when you come back and you do speak, they're thoughtful words and not just reactive. So I think he says at the end of the day, folks, this. Regardless of the quality of your institutional leadership, wherever you find yourself, speak and live wisely for God's glory and for the good of others. You can't control where that ultimately goes. I can't, but I can speak. I can live thoughtfully. I can be careful. And I can let God work. And I want you to remember this. If you read it up here, remember that the truly wise one who walked among us, who was wiser than Jesus, he ministered in our midst in the midst of political foolish structures. He was ultimately killed in those structures and faced injustice. And yet, in his death and resurrection, he redeemed the world. Isn't that beautiful? You say, oh, it's so hard. Jesus knows. Yeah, but these guys are... He's been there. And he's, our blessed Lord stayed the course so that you and I could experience forgiveness from his death, burial, and resurrection. And be different people who then walk into the world with the same desire to walk wisely as he did. Let's pray. Father, the world around us is often very frustrating. And in all honesty, part of, that pro part of the problem is us in the midst of all that. We, we, we get that. Would you help us, Lord, to be men and women that are willing to swim upstream by your power and by your grace and for your glory? when those in institutions around us are swimming downstream. Help us to break from the herd and do what is right. Not for ourselves, but because we know you through Jesus Christ. Because we really want to speak and do things which will ultimately glorify you and benefit others. 
So I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters. I don't know where they are with these issues or what structures they're thinking about. But would you help them, Lord, to know that this is an opportunity for them to be more like Jesus and to be men and women, teenagers, boys and girls that can move back into our world in a way that's marked by wisdom, regardless of the nature of the structures around us. And Father, for that, we will be eternally grateful. In Christ's name I pray, amen. This brings us to the communion service of our church. As I said, our blessed Lord Jesus Christ came, became one of us, understood the suffering of humanity and did something remarkable. He paid the price of our sin by dying for us on the cross of Calvary and taking care of, of the whole sin issue in our lives. I hope that we never get over that wonder. And so once a month, we have bread and we have juice and there's nothing magical here. This is not the blood of Jesus and this is not his flesh. It's none of that stuff. It's, it's grape juice and it's bread and that's all it is. However, symbolically, it represents his body that was broken for us and his blood that was shed for us. And in these moments, we reflect afresh about, about the wonder that the all-wise one lived among us to forgive us and to change us. And one day, he's coming back for us. So ponder on those things if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior as you take the bread and the cup today.
I was thinking of two words um, in the passage I'm going to read. It says remembrance twice. And God tells us to remember because we are so forgetful. Um, we forget him. We forget his grace. We forget his mercy. We forget his kindness. We forget his favor. And we forget the cross, um, this momentous time in history um, that has um, brought us uh, to faith in Christ. Um, the second word was wisdom. Um, Doug was talking a lot about it today. And as Paul counsels us in this passage, he tells us there's wisdom in remembering the cross. And then he says there's wisdom in not taking this in vain. And so let me read the passage and we will take the pat elements. For I've received from the Lord what I've delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took a cup after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Would you pray with me? Father, we are such forgetful people. Please forgive us. Father, you had to tell your people to remember you through festivals and sacrifices and offerings. And you tell us to remember you through the preached word, through the word given to us through the communion table, through the word given to us through baptism. Help us to remember what your son has done for us. Help us to remember his cross. Help us to remember the empty tomb and help us to glory in him. Father, I pray that you would also help us to take this bread and take this cup in a way that's going to honor you and help us to point others to you. So Lord, as we close our service now in song, help us to worship your son, filled by your spirit, glorifying your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sing all you're hurting. All you're hurting and broken within, overwhelmed by the weight of your sin, Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. 
was bought with the precious blood of Jesus cross bear your cross as you wait for the crown tell the world of the treasures you found Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for uh, the opportunity to be here this morning. Lord, just in the, um, in the message, I was just kind of struck by the, the idea of wisdom with our tongues. <clears throat> God, may we this week um, be able to go into our weeks with the, uh, in the spheres of influence that we're in and use our tongues wisely to project you to a watching world. God, may we really, really just be cognizant of, this, uh, of that this week, uh, Lord. Uh, thank you for this time and for the uh, worship, and we ask that uh, you bless us as we go. In Christ's name, amen.